threat of disaster is never pleasant. Welcome to the Casual Preppers Podcast. These safety measures are essential. The only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts, Cam and Kobe. Oh yeah. How many times y'all been asked, you ready for Christmas? You and your family ready for Christmas? <laughs> I think I heard it like six times oh, I today. I heard that several times. I'm like, I don't know. I think my wife's got to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I actually gave gifts about everybody, wrapped all the presents. I figured if there was I a problem, good. I, she'd, she'd bring it up if we had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Last yeah. minute. I'll have to ask her if we're ready. I don't know. I'll send her a text real quick. <laughs> Hold on. But seriously, it's you like, know. But it is, this is our last episode before Christmas. Yes, it so is. we're going to call this the Christmas episode. <laughs> yep, it is but basically. We're, but, but we're not talking about Christmas. No, no, we're talking about super volcanoes. About the same thing. The oh yeah, super volcano. It's like the mother of all. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's some bad ones, but this one, mm-hmm. this is a really bad one. And it's also just pretty close to home. Yeah, it is. So, I think it's the only one that matters to us the most. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about them ones over in the Philippines or whatever. I know. You know, the Ring of Fire. But yeah, no, we're going to talk about the super volcano today from Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone. Yeah. It's a big one. The Kevin Costner. Yeah. Volcano. It's ready to blow. Kevin yeah. Costner's like, this uh-uh. is my land. This is my land. <laughs> uh, have you watched any of that? I saw like one episode or two episodes. I haven't got. I, I haven't. haven't really I need to either. get to. I love Kevin Costner. Yeah, I, I think it looks really good. I just never watched it. Never got to. Hurts a little rough. <laughs> a little rough. You like it rough, don't you? <laughs> not, not enough. Apparently, <laughs> not enough. Not enough. But yeah, we're talking about volcanoes. Yeah, we're That's excited. A good Christmas. Um, special. So we are um, gonna talk before that about our friends at BattleBox. We should. It is the monthly subscription box for men full of solid gear for adventure seekers, survivalists, outdoor enthusiasts, and casual preppers. Each month, BattleBox sends you the coolest selection of hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear, all valued at far more than what you'd normally pay. You never know what's in the next box, (coughs) but here's a sampling. (laughs) My wife's going to be so mad at me. Of what users received this month. I can already hear her yelling at me. Love you, babe. Um, we got the HD. I was trying to hold it in. <laughs> you guys are so. You might as well say the F word because that's way <laughs> it's less. worse than that. The HD Ratchet tie down set. Oh, yeah. Fact, it was pretty good. The Yuko Classic Series Original Candle Lantern. Mm. We like those. All this badassness starts at just $34.99 per month. Our listeners get a free knife when you sign up at slash casual preppers. Get your first battle box plus a free knife. Mm-hmm. You go to uh, trybattlebox.com slash casual preppers. Listener reviews starts now. Mm-hmm. Did you do like a family um, gift thing? What? Like that you buy for each other's families and stuff like that? We do, but we do it all. So we do a weird thing where we we all get together on Christmas Eve. Well, we did it last week because we mm. our schedules, and then we all have ten bucks. Mm. We draw names randomly, and we have to go to Walmart and buy a ten dollar gift. Oh, that's a better. Then idea. we come back. I was gonna say that didn't help. No, um, sorry. <laughs> most most like family gifts are like thirty five bucks. You know, it's like oh, oh, yeah. that's the cutoff. I see. Yeah, thirty four ninety nine. That's perfect. It could get you yeah. started with Battle Box. That's a perfect gift. I think our family must saying. be cheap. We don't really buy. For like, like my sister and I, we don't really buy for each other. I wish ours would eliminate it. I thought yeah. we were going to, but, but you they didn't. were like, "Let's do it." They do. Uh, it. There's six of us. 
Well, too many. Did you, who'd you Spreads get? Spreads out. Um, second oldest brother and my oldest sister. Oh, you got to do two? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Tawny's been doing a great job. Uh, I'll she's doing she doesn't even know him. Yeah. No, she doesn't. Yeah. But anyway. Listener reviews. Yeah. You got yeah. it? What is this, a link? It is a link because it was <sighs> so big, I couldn't get it in there. Oh, great. So I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> for you. Heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you hear that from? <laughs> nah, Sasquatch. <what> a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a link. It's loading. Okay, man. Beautiful. Still processing. Is it really? Yeah. It's a strategy. Reviews. Five star. May have saved my son. Mm. This is a good little, that is a big one. <laughs> I've been doing the prepping survivalist thing since 2014 and have gone through the cycles of uh, manic prepping and lethargy. Mm. I stumbled upon the Casual Purpose podcast when it was just a couple of episodes old. Mm. That was a long time ago. I was living in Alaska, the Alaskan bush at that time and had poor internet, so I was just barely able to download podcasts, but when I had the chance, would listen to two buddies with great cowboy impersonations who said, uh, a few too many (laughs) times and still do. I don't know how you guys kicked that habit, but it was impressive success. Really? We we did kick that. It must have been better than before. I don't know. Or he's just completely <laughs> he, immune to it. Yeah, he doesn't hear it anymore. <clears throat> Anyhow, during this time, I made uh, a good first aid kit, which included an EpiPen. On Friday, I had to use it. My wife, two children, and I were sitting down for dinner, and we gave my one-year-old son some shrimp. He had an anaphylactic reaction to the shrimp in which his lips, mouth, throat swelled up to a point he couldn't breathe. My wife told me to get the EpiPen, which I did immediately which he had saved, Mm -hmm. and we gave my son an injection. I can't imagine what would have happened if we didn't have an EpiPen and had to wait on an ambulance or bring him straight to the hospital. It may have saved that little munchkin's life. Mm. I am thankful and appreciate all the great tips, medical and otherwise. Uh, Thank you for all your hard work. Stay survived. Aaron from Anchorage. P.S. Do more cowboy voices. All righty. Man, that's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome, isn't it? I did not see this one before, so. No. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I know it's really long, but it's cool to hear those things where people have prepared. Yeah, that's freaking amazing. Because of the dumb crap we said. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And might have saved that little fat-lipped kid's life. You know, <laughs> so we hope he's all good out there in Alaska. That's awesome, man. Yeah, super cool. Good to hear. If you guys want to be part of this portion of the podcast, go to iTunes, go to Facebook, leave us a five star review, and make it awesome. It's a mad, mad world. Yeah. Um, let me read you an article headline: Egg prices are shattering records as bird flu continues to decimate poultry flocks. Mother flocker. What else? I know. That's what I'm saying. Egg prices are hitting records driven by an avian influenza outbreak that has killed tens of millions of chickens and turkeys this year across nearly all 50 states. Wholesale prices of Midwest large eggs hit a record 536 a dozen. <clears throat> That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when it used to be like 99 cents? Or like two bucks I do or something. That. And I was like, it's a long time ago. Why are you even charging us for these? <laughs> I don't know. But but now, like this is just something to tell you. Like, might be time to start thinking about um, raising some chickens. Yeah, because it's getting to the point where you're probably cheaper to be raising those chickens at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's that much a dozen, that's insane. What else is freaking getting more? That's expensive? what I'm saying. So so bad. Uh, just continue to watch that, my friends. Yeah. Um, if it continues to rise. We ain't going to be eating our egg sandwiches or no French toast. <laughs> All right? Mm. Make me mad. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is, I mean, this is just applicable to everything nowadays. Okay. The earth hates us and it's trying to kill us off. Yeah, makes right? sense. Yeah, yeah. The U.S. life expectancy is at its <clears throat> lowest in 25 years. Mm-hmm. 
post-COVID, COVID, drug overdoses <clears throat> led to the second straight year of worsening life expectancy in the U.S. Gosh dang it. So as uh, per the 2021 <clears throat> data, mm-hmm. Americans are expected to live 76.4 years down from the peak of 78 years. Oh, dang. It also shows yeah. the U.S. continues to rank lowest among countries with large economies. Heart disease, mm. um, cancers, COVID, and other things like that. Can't imagine why our health is so bad. <laughs> I know. But, like, um, <sighs> I wanted to just, like, bring this up because uh, this year has been insanely difficult to mm. treat. Like, there's covid on top of flu, on top of RSV, on top of uh, medication shortages. And then there's also been an outbreak of uh, more difficult to treat super infections uh, Don't with bacteria and stuff super like that. Super infections. So, bacteria. <laughs> super call. Yeah. So um, anyway, mm. um, you just got to take care of yourself out there. Yeah. Things are not getting easier Mm-mm. and you need to be prepared to you know get out of that comfort zone yeah. and start preparing. I, I agree, Cameron. Viruses are going to kill you. You know what's even scarier than that? Is a big friggin' volcano. <laughs> Just, like a gigantic one. Yeah. Today we're talking about the Yellowstone supervolcano, the Yellowstone caldera, the Yellowstone movie. Movie. Or TV, TV show. We're going to talk about all things Yellowstone today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the TV show at we all. We did. We mentioned it. We already we? did talk about it, yeah. But I wanted to take just a few minutes beforehand. Let's talk about some of uh, some recent big volcanic eruptions, like what they did, what they were like, how they affected everybody around them. Let's go back to the year 1991. I, I had just year. turned 10, all right? <laughs> I, I don't know what I was doing, Yeah, but I was, I was 10 years old. But over there in the Philippines, Mount Minatubo, um, I do not remember hearing about this when I, I was, was 10 years old. Again, I was 10. I was playing a lot of Paperboy on Nintendo, <laughs> and that was probably it. I was probably playing some Super Nintendo. But um, um, it's a strata volcano. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all the way up sounds, in the stratosphere. Yeah, no. So June 15th, 1991, it erupted, resulting in the second largest eruption in the 20th century. It's big. That's weird. I don't remember anything about that. But, I mean, why my parents tell me? Again. Son. Ten years old. <laughs> Sit down and tell you we about need to tell you about what just happened over at Mount Minatubo. <laughs> it's a long way away. I don't know if I said it right. <laughs> okay, Dad, can I go ride four wheeler? <laughs> yeah. You know, they, who if cares? you see the clouds getting thicker, come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Started getting weird and ashy outside. <laughs> Looks like it's snow in the middle of July. Don't freak out. <laughs> it's just Mount Minatubo. Get out of there, boy. <laughs> now go freaking mess with the now have some fun. cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this ash plume, the height reached more than 40 kilometers. In an American, that's 28 miles. <laughs> Good. 20, the conversion needs to What's happen. the problem? One of these websites I used was Canadian. A so lot of this oh geographical gosh. stuff, so like all like, the geological evaluations. So I'm like, what does that mean? Some of it, I Meters went, and, I went and did the conversions, but some of it, I'm like, you guys are going to have to figure it out yeah. in your heads. It's a it's lot. Too much. Too much. 40 kilometers, which is 28 miles high, ejected more kilometers than... Kilometers sounds more dramatic. It does. So. Um, it ejected more than 10 kilometers cubed of yeah. magma. That's cubed, right? Yeah. Okay, I don't know my math well. 10... Or, or cu- was it cubits? No, it's like 10 km. That's cubed. a little three. C-U. A little three. Oh, yeah, that is cubed, yeah. Cubed, right? I of magma. Classifying it as a planian, ultra-planian... Eruption style, VEI six. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying that's the volcanic 
Eruption Index. Is that how that works? VEI6. <laughs> Did you say? <laughs> yeah. VEI6. Yeah. Um, so that's big. Really huge. Uh-huh. A complicating factor in the dispersal of ash was at the same time of the eruption, Typhoon Yuna channeled the ash from the usual dispersal out into the ocean towards the island of Luzon. Ah. Oh, they're going to lose on again. <laughs> this combination gave rise to wet ash. Hmm. Sometimes I get wet ash when it's real uh, hot outside. <laughs> oh, no, that's wet ash. Excuse me, in the sweating. Swash. I got wet ash. Um, increasing loading on structures with a large proportion of the 847 death toll due to roof collapsing. That's what's so crazy. Yeah. That it can, like, thicken so fast. It's yep. like... <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. 1991 Mount Minnetubo eruption caused widespread impacts across societal, economic, and environmental areas. Pyroclastic flows, lahars, as well as the ashfall hazard all resulted in damage and casualties. It cost up to $700 million in damage, $100 million of which was damaged to 16 aircraft flying at the time Holy of the eruption. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? $100 million. So they were just flying and sucked in a bunch of ash and said, hey, mayday, mayday, we're coming <laughs> down. So uh, also $250 million to property with the rest. Uh, ash strike, ash strike. <laughs> ash in our holes. <laughs> um, nearly every man that would have been a scene though. Ooh, There's like I know, I won't take some pictures of that. <laughs> yeah. No, we're gonna crash. We're gonna crash. Nearly every bridge within 19 miles of Mount Munitoba was destroyed. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. Every bridge. Yeah, I, I don't. They know. didn't prepare for that very no, no. well. Several lowland towns were flooded or partially buried in mud. So that was the Mount Pinatubo. Pinatubo, am I saying and that, that right? That was a what was it? A six? Vei six. I know that wasn't uh, Mount St. Helen. Looks like it was a five mm. in comparison. I and that I think's been like probably the most documented for oh yeah in our time. To yeah, like for sure. Yeah, go over all the little what what effect it has. So, but let's go back to the year eighteen fifteen. Um, and this is Mount Tambora, and I think we've spoken about Mount, so Mount Tambora before because of the insane effects it had around the world. Mount Tambora is a volcano on the island of Simbawa. Sumbawa in present-day Indonesia, then part of the Dutch East Indies. And its 1815 eruption was the most powerful volcanic eruption in recorded human history. This is the big granddaddy of them all. This volcanic explosivity index, VEI, uh, that's what it was, volcanic explosivity oh, index. Explosivity. Seven. It was seven. <clears throat> it, it ejected 160 to 213 cubic kilometers of material into the atmosphere and was the most recent confirmed VEI-7 eruption. Jeez. So we talked about that VEI, that, that, did it only go up to seven or eight or something like that? Eight's the max, I think. It's eight, okay, yeah. It's like it didn't go to ten. It's like, yeah, well, what you I think, think that's the max, and I know, and, and I'll talk about it, but okay. um, VEI-8 and above, or no, VEI-8 is, if it's ever had that in its history, it becomes a super volcano. Ah, uh, okay. That so, I don't know how this isn't classified as a yeah. super. So, although the Mount Tambor... It's pretty big, but it ain't a super. <laughs> the Mount Tambor eruption reached a violent climax on 10th of April, 1815, increased steaming and small phretic uh, eruptions occurred during the next six months to three years. The ash from the eruption column dispersed around the world and lowered global temperatures in an event sometimes known as the year without a summer. <clears throat> and this was in 1816. I've so read a couple, like, history books that talk about, like, the effects. Like, 
Oh man, the history in the U.S. They're yeah. just talking about it, and they mentioned this summer of being like it just it did a lot of weird crops. Stuff. <laughs> We're gonna talk about a few of those things, but I I think last time when we talked about this. We talked about like the weird like religious uh, implications it had because yeah. people were so freaked out. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was, was happening. Like, this is the end of the world. This is the end of the world. It's right? Changing everything. So this brief period of significant climate change triggered extreme weather and harvest failures in many areas around the world. Several climate forces coincided and inter- interacted in a systematic manner, which has not been observed after any other large volcanic eruption since the early Stone Age. All vegetation on the island was destroyed. All of it. Nothing lived. Uprooted trees mixed with pumice ash washed into the sea and formed rafts up to three miles across. Oh, my god! So just three miles of ash and trees. And they made, like, these big, like, floating islands. They're like rafts, basically. That's insane. The eruption column reached the stratosphere at an altitude of more than 43 kilometers, which is 141,000 feet. That's freaking in space. <laughs> yeah. That's space, right? <clears throat> the coarser ash particles settled out one to two weeks after the eruption, but the finer ash particles stayed in the atmosphere for, for a few months to a year, a few years at altitudes of 10 to 30 kilometers. Longitudinal winds spread these fine particles around the globe, creating optical phenomena. Prolonged and brilliantly colored sunsets and twilights were seen frequently in London between the 28th of June and the 2nd of July of 1815 and 3rd of September and 7th of October in 1815. So the glow of the twilight sky typically appeared orange or red near the horizon and purple or pink above it. Weird. So that was like one of the reasons that... They're like, oh, we're all dead. Jesus is coming back. It's all... You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense, right? So the eruption caused what we call a volcanic winter. During the Northern Hemisphere, summer of 1816, global temperatures cooled by 0.95 degrees Fahrenheit. So basically an entire degree. Seems so little, but... But a lot. Man, it misses things. Yeah. This very significant cooling directly or indirectly caused... 90,000 deaths. (laughs) A lot of people. In the spring and summer of 1815, a persistent dry fog was observed in the northeastern United States. The fog reddened and dimmed the sunlight such that sunspots were visible to the naked eye. Weird. But this is like, yeah, the the moon turns to blood. Yeah. The sun, you know what I mean? Ooh, creepy. Neither wind nor rainfall dispersed the fog. It was identified as a stratospheric sulfate aerosol veil. In case you were wondering. <laughs> My wife has that for her hair. <laughs> she uses that on Wednesdays. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, it's a great Holds real well. Oh, for, for sure, for sure. Top of the line, top of the line. Um, in summer of 1816, countries in the Northern Hemisphere suffered extreme weather conditions, dubbed again year without a summer. Such conditions occurred for at least three months and ruined most of the agricultural crops in North America. And it's not good, if you were wondering. It's just not good at all. In Cape May, New Jersey, frost was reported five nights in a row in late June, causing extensive crop damage. Late June, frost for five nights in a row. (laughs) It's insane. And then in July and August, lake and river ice was observed as far south as northwestern Pennsylvania. God, that's insane. In August, there was river ice. According to the historian L.D. Stilwell, Vermont alone experienced a decrease in population between 10,000 and 15,000, erasing seven years of population growth. Screw this place. <laughs> I know, it's like, this place is yeah, horrible. Frost. Yeah. Among those who left Vermont were the family of Joseph Smith, 
yeah. who moved from Norwich, Vermont, though he was born in Sharon, Vermont, to Palmyra, New York. This move pr- precipitated the series of events that culminated in the publication of the Book of Mormon and the founding of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Pretty crazy that the um, this volcano pretty much helped start a religion. Yeah. How crazy is that? Um, also, on June 18, in June of 1816, incessant rainfall during that wet uh, uh, summer forced Mary Shelley to stay inside for long periods of time. At this point, she wrote Frankenstein. <laughs> so crazy. Like the... Yeah. Just there's a, some good that come from yeah, volcanoes. Exactly. We might get some really great horror stories in religions. Sometimes they're one and the same. You just never know. This huge volcanic eruption caused an insane amount of issues, obviously, in the Yellowstone caldera as we will find out, would be much, much worse. Yeah. It's not, I mean, this was the worst one ever, but... Boy, oh boy. Wait a minute. (laughs) You're going to love this section. (laughs) If you like that, you're going to love this. (laughs) Yeah. Hold up. So, um, obviously, we all are familiar, should be familiar with Yellowstone. It's got some thin old crust. It's got some geysers. They got buffalo. They got wolves. weird, warm, and steamy. Yeah. But that's because um, the whole freaking place, which you don't realize when you're there because it's, you know, just looks like a flat plateau. Like Mm -hmm. you're like, wow. But you were in a huge caldera. You're you're in a massive, like, volcanic mouth, which is pretty creepy to think of. It's so scary. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... But what makes a volcano classified as super? Mm. And there's not very many in the world. There's there only a- seven total that are classified as super volcanoes. Oh, okay. And this is because of their past um, volcanic eruptions that have been at a magnitude eight on okay. the explosivity. D-E-I eight. scale yeah. eight. So at any point in their history, if they've exploded and in, in it's met an eight level, mm-hmm. then it's classified super. So Dang. that's why there's not very many of them. Yeah. Not many can hit that point. Mm-mm. So, um, which means that at least a thousand cubic kilometers or 200, 240, 240 mm. cubic miles of material gets ejected. That's an <laughs> insane amount. A lot. So you can see like why there's that caldera because it's blew all of that out. And yeah. it's just massive. Like, it makes you. It makes me think of like a whole different planet, like Venus oh, yeah. and stuff, where it's like you yeah. can't live there because there's volcanoes yeah. going. Like Earth does that once in a while. Yeah, it does. Um, and so that's enough to bury uh, Texas five feet deep. Oh, they live through it. <laughs> oh, Texans. Yeah, they, they've been through worse. Yeah, their flag will poke right up above oh, all. Hell but, yeah, Texas forever. Yep. So. <laughs> What were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say other stuff, but I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So these super eruptions are thousands uh, of times more powerful than even the biggest eruptions we're used to. Mm. In comparison, Mount St. Helens ejected more than 0. 0.67 cubic oh miles. Oh, 2.7 uh, kilometers. Ooh, that's like nothing. Nothing. And and I, so I've watched like on, um, I can't remember, but watched a series on Mount St. Helens and it's like super fascinating to see like I think it was like the recorded as the biggest mudslide in history because oh, wow. it like melted all that snow and mm-hmm. it all like rushed but it's an it's a massive amount of earth being moved mm-hmm. and like what it looked like and the devastation and that was like teeny tiny mm-hmm. com- compared to what the yeah. Yellowstone super volcano could do so it's had three eruptions in its history um 2.1 million years ago, roughly. It's a long time. 1.3 million years ago, and the most recent was 664,000 years ago. 
That's like yesterday. Jeez. The last of those uh, um, at Yellowstone Lava Creek ejected so much material from below that it left a 35-mile by 50-mile depression in the ground. And that's the caldera that you go oh in. Oh, my God. So it's like it just moved half the earth. Oh. So if it were to erupt again, obviously, that would be super devastating. Perfect pretty much, place to have a national park. Pretty much park. end of the world type of national thing. National park right there. <laughs> It's like if it Come ever, visit what will kill the whole earth. It will kill all of us one yeah. day. So this is ten times the amount of Timbora. Wow. That is crazy. And it that is. killed hundred thousand ish? Well or was that that one or a what was the one that you the last one you said? The In last eighteen fifteen? Yeah, that was um Tambora. That was right. Yeah. So really yeah. it was like ninety thousand with so the ten thousand times that. Yeah. Woo. That's a couple thousand people. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the expected size of eruption, um, mm-hmm. today the S- they estimate a new eruption could spout out 588 cubic miles of debris. So Jeez. they're just going all out on this. Yeah. It's like, they're going to blow the whole earth up. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, we wanted to bring it up because it's part of like the prepper community of like yeah. world ending scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like a super volcano eruption would be one of those things because the few that would survive the blast... I mean, there'd be a lot that would survive, but it would just disrupt everything on Earth. The United and States would be pretty, pretty uh, much covered, pretty much covered in ash. Yeah, and you'll talk a little more about mm-hmm. that specifically. So, yeah. um, there's a lot of talk about the uh, Yellowstone supervolcano being overdue for mm-hmm. eruption, yeah. and scientists believe that's like a little silly. So the real smart guys, the Geological Society and stuff, they're like, no, it's really not good to say don't say that piss it off (laughs) (laughs) um but overdue isn't necessarily like it's kind of not realistic like they don't know it's unpredictable exactly i'll talk about that a little bit too yeah there's plenty of that so scientists estimate yellowstone volcano explodes every 600 to 700,000 years and so you know we just talked about Mm -hmm. 644,000 years ago there was an eruption Mm -hmm. so a lot of people are like all these geysers are starting to go off. And um, there, here's one comment from mm-hmm. somebody, like, a little bit, like you were saying, sensationalized. Some people who visit there say that there are more hot springs pop- popping up there. There's more sulfur smell that's stronger than ever. You take it from what, um, you take from it what you want. And I just pay attention to it a little more than the average person, just in case, <laughs> says Jason Jason Charles, a firefighter from New York. <laughs> New York City. What is he doing? I don't know. I don't want it to be a curveball we don't see coming. I keep it in the back of my head. I've been thinking about that super volcano, you know, <laughs> just like, what am I going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do about this? How about the Yankees? How about that super volcano, huh? Yeah, I know they got that lefty coming off the bench, but have you thought about the super volcano out there in Yellowstone? <laughs> James, get out of here. God damn, James. You bring get it up here. every time. We're trying to talk baseball. <laughs> yeah. Bring up the Mets. I don't care. But stop talking about I'm this. I'm just saying you guys aren't ready for a curveball. I am. I give, am. Give me some pork rinds. <laughs> Let's go down and get a pie downtown. I'm gonna go down to the deli, get one of those beef sandwiches. <laughs> so um this has happened for uh this has happened forever and it's no indicator of a pending volcanic eruption. These changes, these geysers, the increased sulfur smell. <laughs> just the guy. I just don't get it. He's like that sulfur smell's getting stronger. Man, it burns my nose. I was there when I was 14. I don't remember this. I'm 48 <laughs> now. I know. I'm like, how do you detect it just a bit more sulfur than Yeah, that's more sulfury than yeah. it was before. I know you guys are liking the view, but do you realize that sulfur smells about Two or three times stronger than last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the bison. I see them. But 
<laughs> Smell that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I, I, I'll have to admit, I got sucked in when they were saying like one geyser that doesn't go off very yeah. often. It's been going off like routinely. For and sure. You're yeah. just like, what happened? Yeah. So um, I'll try and explain it. Probably won't do very well, but. Okay. So the act, the activity around Yellowstone's monitored, obviously. Sure. They monitor it all the time. They watch the magma levels and the caldera. It rises and falls all the time. And even the other uh, super volcanoes around the around the world like it, they grow and mm-hmm. then they fall and it's mm. it's based on like uh the magma pressures and levels and so uh listen to another podcast it was actually national geographic they talked about how magma is kind of like soda pop mm. it has a bunch of gas in it it's hot mm. and like the bubbles and when that increases and it releases it kind of swells like and then it goes back now <laughs> exactly it's like a burp earth it's got some gas problems. Yeah. It's going to come out one end or the other. So, yeah, when it pushes yeah. that magma up a little closer and mm-hmm. um, basically the geysers and stuff are all active because of that and the, the thinner crust. Mm. But what happens is that magma just goes out into different, um, it basically seeps through the cracks. Seeps through and else. then it just dries out or not dries mm-hmm. out, it, it, it goes solid. So, mm. this happens all the time. And so, seismic activity, you know, kind of like an MRI of the ground shows sure. that. Uh, Five to fifteen percent is molten rock, not enough to create a massive explosion. They say it has to be much higher than that. So okay. they're watching out for it. Okay, yeah, that's great. So it's not necessarily overdue. Yeah, it's I actually just, saw that they have like a monthly report. There's like a yeah, they want they scientist. A ton. There's a scientist that's just assigned to the Yellowstone Caldera. Basically, yeah. he's a volcanist or something. I don't know what they <laughs> yeah, call. Him. I don't know. That's cool. But though. like every month, he does a video like updating what's happening yeah. at uh, Yellowstone. So yeah, they're not just like. Hope it doesn't go off. Like they study it, they know the. It's diff- not like a park could- ranger like selling you tickets. Is just keeping an eye on it yeah. for us. It's an actual scientist. Watch this with the hill of his boot and magma starts coming up. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, it's worth the, the price of the ticket, ain't it? <laughs> Burn my boat. <laughs> Don't worry, Yellowstone pay for it. <laughs> You guys got a, there's a lot of magma down there. It's like soda pop. Anyone want a soda pop? Yeah, have a, have a Pepsi. But the, the geyser activity increases is, is totally natural and it's been going on for hundreds don't, of years. Don't worry, that's natural. <laughs> well, that's lava. No, it isn't. It's fine. Yeah. Um, is there any evidence that Yellowstone might erupt soon? No. Yellowstone is behaving as it has for the past 140 years. It hasn't changed. Um, they actually, like I was saying, it, it, the ground uplifts and steam and explosions and everything's been going on forever. 10,000 years or so. It's a lot like having a wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it just <laughs> gives off a little steam. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. It's going to come up. It's going to come down. There's going to be explosions, liquid magma. Yeah. Um, it's, it's exactly what happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that talk about one is drilling into and using that pre- the, all the the heat and thermal uh, energy that's there yeah. to like power cities and things like that. And other uh, theories have been like, why don't we just drill down there, cool it down, then we're not going to have an explosion. <laughs> that's a great idea. Turn the hose on, drop the hose in the hole. <laughs> Exactly, you know, like all this water, yeah, just pump it in there, get her in there. When that geyser goes off, just redirect it down <laughs> in the ground. I don't know why you guys haven't thought of this. What are you guys doing? Just selling tickets all day, <laughs> yeah. Come on, you don't want it to go, you don't want it to cool down. 
But um, so yeah, they've proposed doing that of like cooling down, but mm. there's risks with that. Obviously, it can destroy the park. <laughs> it like can destroy the world. You're gonna have all these pump stations and, yeah, and sure. drilling down in there. But also, they don't know. It's like if you drill down into there mm-hmm. and you disrupt the magma and hit a pocket, boom. And you're just going to explode the whole place up. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's worst case scenario, probably. Yeah, so you could strike a gas pocket. Yeah. We all know yeah. you don't want to hit a gas pocket. You don't. So attempts at cooling and depressurizing magma systems would have many unintended negative consequences. I could see Consequences. Like some, some including making companies. an eruption more likely. So Some companies. I, I'm a volcano driller. <laughs> Yeah. A pressure releaser. Yeah, so <laughs> on LinkedIn. I'm a pressure releaser. <laughs> I'll release your pressure if you need it. <laughs> Been doing it for years. <laughs> doing it since I was a teenager. <laughs> release my pressure all the time. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um additionally, Yellowstone National Park is protected um from geothermal resource development. Gosh, Don't go in it. there and ruin it. So yeah. it's been protected by law. So yeah. Um, harvesting the energy though has been researched a bunch and they talked about like pumping water through lines that pass through. So you're just like continuously getting this warm water and it would decrease the, um, you know, the footprint of Mm -hmm. power stations and coal and all that stuff. But there's, there's risks get in there and disturb that gas bubble. Mm. You know, what's going to happen. You don't. So Mm. anyways, um, it, it is, it is a massive, uh, volcano and it has active lava. Yeah. inside but it, it like it fluctuates it goes up and down mm-hmm. um hasn't changed over the last 140 years the geysers going off is not unusual so okay pretty unlikely to erupt but let's say it does let's say it does let's talk about that well actually i want to talk first like how likely is it to erupt yeah so like, like Kim was saying it's possible but scientists they're not convinced that there's actually ever going to be another catastrophic eruption. Yeah, maybe never. There may be never. I mean, there's going to be some eruptions, but like this catastrophic big boy that we're talking about, we don't know. Given Yellowstone's past history, the yearly probability of another caldera-forming eruption can be approximated as 1 in 730,000. So you're telling me there's There's a chance. chance. (laughs) 0.00014%. So... Yes, that is something that could happen. Um, but there's th- a lot of a yeah. lot of other things that are much more likely. Yeah, this number is based simply on averaging the two intervals between the three major past eruptions at Yellowstone. It's hardly enough to make a critical judgment. <laughs> it's like Yeah. Thing we're talking about. Um, the probability is roughly similar to that of a large <laughs> Let me put on my volcanic goggles. <laughs> yeah, I'm a volcanist. <laughs> Uh, the probability is roughly similar to that of a large one kilometer asteroid hitting the Earth, which has happened before. <laughs> so, sure has. I don't know. Um, I more had to o- buy a meteorite for Christmas because my son <laughs> wanted one. <laughs> Did you get it on eBay? I, no, I ended up going to a legit site. Meteorite.com. Meteorite.gov. Yeah, came straight out of Boise. Yeah, it did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably just magma from I think Yellowstone. it's just slag from somebody welding. Yeah, I know. They're like, let's, let's gather all these up and sell them to the kids. Welders up in North Dakota just have this side <laughs> business of selling meteorites yeah. out of their Knock that shop. slag off. We're going to send it out. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> Put like, it in the grinder for two minutes. 
Just put it in a bag. Shine it up. Put a, a number bit. on it, like some random number. Yeah. Number six seven. Yeah. Six hundred BF two one. That's yeah. That's how we name our meteorites. Yeah, that's a bit one. How about is is there also a um threat from terrorists? Yeah, with, that's a good with, yeah. So I did so find Shoot a nuke right into yeah, the call there. That is that is possible. So there was actually um, some terrorists that were arrested who actually That's talked insane. about this. insane. I didn't know They that. talked about this. I don't a, remember. A man accused of, of plotting to derail a Canadian passenger train. So does, Canada, does the Canadian train come down into Yellowstone? I don't know. Well, this is not, this is not the same thing. So no, it isn't? Okay. He was accused of plotting to derail a Canadian passenger train. Also thought about triggering a catastrophic volcanic blast in the United States. <laughs> so that was Plan B. He had two options. <laughs> I'm either gonna trigger the biggest super volcano in human history, or I'm just gonna derail this train in Canada. He had two options. I think I can do that one easier. Which one's gonna be harder? I don't know. <laughs> How much you got in savings, Daryl? I got like eighty nine dollars. I calculated that I can't get that volcano to erupt. So yeah, the numbers do just don't work. I can't get the numbers to work. <laughs> you know? Oh man. Keep trying. Such a different like extreme. I know. I'm gonna rob my local bank and grocery store. Yeah. Or I'm gonna go steal nukes from Iran and strike. Russia. Yeah. So testifying for a third week, an undercover FBI agent said, Chiheb Isagyar uh, pondered <laughs> the possibility of getting the volcano in Yellowstone National Park to erupt. Isagyar, who is charged with various terror-related very good cigar. offenses, <laughs> along with co-accused Raid Jesser, spoke of the death and destruction of Blast Good Cause, <laughs> the court heard. Ultimately, however, he decided the idea was not feasible. He's like, no, we cannot do anything to make the volcano erupt. It's very deep. I don't have any access. <laughs> that was his direct quote. <laughs> I don't have any access. This guy. Yeah, volcano access ain't easy to get. I've been doing baking soda and vinegar at home mm. all day. I can't mm. figure out how to get it out of the bottom. The numbers don't work. I told you. <laughs> I told you it doesn't work. But I Let's just go get the damn train and derail it. <laughs> It's not hard. That's easier. That's way the math makes sense. Yeah. Ain't no physicist, volcanicist. <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, it, it says it was his conclusion that we need to focus on the project or projects. Uh, the train plot was a better than the volcano. Much better. Said, yeah, it was much better. Much easier. So anyways, he didn't actually say how he was planning to get this done. Obviously. Like he just didn't give any details, but it was just a I'm going to do it. Uh, don't push me. I wrote it's in my notebook. Don't push me. <laughs> <laughs> Journal entries June 20, yeah. 1990, and yeah. yesterday. Today was a great day. I saw Granny at the <laughs> store, so I helped her take her groceries home. Also, I had a thought. What about making <laughs> the volcano go? <laughs> the baking soda up yeah. in the The baking soda fell. The vinegar was spilled all over the countertop. Boom. Right in my kitchen. <laughs> what if I did this to the United States? Yeah, what happens if that scenario was bigger <laughs> in Wyoming? I want to be part of that. Yeah, that's... You got a big I was dream. pissed. Big dream. Got a parking ticket that day. <laughs> I was mad. I'm going to end this country. So, um... I found a site, so I want to talk about what it would be like if it actually did go off. The Big Daddy Grand. That's what we all want to know. That's what we do want to We're That's getting what we're to here it. for. 40 minutes in this podcast, we're getting to it, okay? <laughs> um, so I found a website that actually shows, it shows the different zones that as it cool. comes out, right? But this one was Canadian. 
Okay. <laughs> it might have been this guy. So the colors were red and white and red yeah. and white. And it's yeah. in an oak leaf. Yeah. It was basically a hockey stick. Maple leaf. Hockey sticks that went around, you know, hockey pucks. <laughs> yeah. And there was gravy all over the top of it. <laughs> but it's all in uh, metric and whatnot. So these. Is they don't make no sense. They don't make no sense. So zone one. So the first zone right around this bad boy, it's up to 80 kilometers in circumference or however that works, right? 50 miles for for the, the Americans out there listening. So within this 50 mile radius, uh, the estimated ash fall is three meters. That's 10 feet of ash. Jeez. That's a big ash ash <laughs> fall, man. Yeah. So within that, uh, the nice thing is within that fifty miles, there's only seventy thousand people that live there, and I say only seventy thousand. What about the bison? But there's a lot of bison and some elk, <laughs> wolves. Mm-hmm. So there's seventy thousand people that basically are gonna die yeah. right away. Just like you're dead. You can't do anything about it. You work at Yellowstone, you're dead at Yellowstone <laughs> when this thing happens. So, surges of scorching hot gas and ash over 400 centigrade, exceeding the speed of sound, would spill from the side of the volcano and could extend up to 100 kilometers out. It is not survivable. No. So, Mm-mm. you're in zone one, you're dead yeah. right off. So let's move out to zone two. So this is 80 to 125 kilometers out. So the estimated ashfall here is 1.5 meters. Um, your population within this range is 350,000 people. So zone two would have to be evacuated completely prior to the eruption. The very heavy ashfall would collapse all structures. Nothing would be left. Vegetation, Still even in <clears throat> zone two? Yep. Vegetation, yeah. livestock, and aquatic life would all die. Nothing would live within a, this uh, 125 kilometers out. Power and telephone lines would break, and roads would become completely unusable. Yeah. So. Have that, you seen pictures of, like, Mount St. Helens before and after? Yeah. Like, it's all it's nice and, mm-hmm. like, really green. And then it's, like it, disgusting. still, even to this day, yeah. it looks like... Uh, Right next to us. Yeah. Roosevelt. <laughs> Fort Duchesne. That's <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah. So now let's go to zone three, Cameron. This is 125 to 200 kilometers away from the actual explosion. There's 640,000 people who live in this one. So we're getting up there. I mean, luckily this thing is in Wyoming. And like nobody lives in Wyoming. That's that's the only good thing about this. This is the exact same thing <laughs> about... Um, Zone two, so you would have to evacuate beforehand. Very, very heavy asphalt would collapse all That's structures. A long ways, That's, so you've got to travel. Like, yeah, if you're at the park that day, you're done. You're not <laughs> yeah. get. You're not. You're not. You're not going to make it. So you're going to have a, a meter of ash within that 200 kilometers. Insane. Everybody's going to die. All vegetation. All livestock. Um, everything. Now we're going to get into zone four. This zone, um, is where Cam and I live. We live in this zone, Cam. The most important zone. This is the zone we all need to be worried about. I know you guys are worried. Mm-hmm. So your estimated ashfall in this zone is 60 centimeters, which is 24 inches. Jeez. Two you don't feet get that of much snow. ash. I know. So this is out 200 to 300 kilometers, and there's 11 million people who live. So far from, that. The, from Yellowstone. It's a it's long crazy way. crazy that that's going to 300 kilometers. Us. Yeah. So zone four would still see substantial amounts of asphalt. Obviously, any areas with more than 30 centimeters. Oh, I got pop up here. She's a weed. 
Do you want to visit Yellowstone? Tickets on sale. Good gracious, I can't get it. It won't go away. What the crap? Um, really Extends. weird. <laughs> it's got like it. It's really like. Oh, there it goes. Jeez, finally got it to go away. Um, so um, any areas of more than thirty centimeters of ash are under severe risk. Uh, the primary cause of death would be from roofs collapsing due to heavy ash load. Potentially one in three people would be killed this way. Yeah. 33% of all I'm people- just getting crushed by the ash. Crushed by the, the roofs caving in on you. That's so crazy. Breathing outside would be very difficult. The water would be contaminated with sulfuric acid. That's fine. <clears throat> yeah, sounds great. Uh, the, the ash would enter air filtration systems, causing air quality problems in structures still standing. There would likely be no power and very limited transportation, if any, at all. So, so going to work would be tough, and you still have to. <laughs> Wouldn't be canceled. No, definitely wouldn't cancel work. So basically, it's a, it's like a total apocalyptic situation. Just even for us this that far away, far, it's crazy. That's that's a crazy thing. And then we can go into zone five. So this is three hundred to eight hundred kilometers out. You're going to see fifteen centimeters of ashfall. Thirty-four million people live within this zone. Wow. Uh, zone five are still at risk of collapse if the roofs are not immediately cleared of ash. Trees would be severely damaged due to the breaking of branches. Road transport would be halted due to the buildup of ash on roads and cars would stop working as air filters become clogged. Rail transport and electricity may be cut as wet ash short circuits signaling systems and substations. That is a mess. Yeah, so then we're, the last zone is zone six, and this is beyond 800 kilometers. And this is pretty much the entire United States up into Canada, kind of even down into Mexico. Um, you're going to get one to six centimeters. So there's 190 million people that live within this zone. Minor damage to buildings in zone six will occur as ash enters soils, interiors, and blocks air conditioning filters. Electricity may be cut as wet ash causes shorting at substations. This would cause water supplies to be cut. Roads would need to be cleared to prevent ash from blocking stormwater systems. Crop damage is possible. Livestock may be affected by lack of feed and contamination of water supplies. Damage to electrical equipment and machinery is likely. Egg prices. Egg prices. Going go through up. the roof. So basically, literally, it is a, it's almost a complete apocalyptic situation for the entire, like, North America. Yeah. Really, it, it pretty much is. It so is, yeah. That's how crazy this is. So let's talk about some of these after effects. These things are going to happen sort of in the short to long term after this. So the magma ash ejected debris would be hurled 30 miles into the atmosphere. That's a long ways. Near devastation of an area the size of North America or Europe, probable economic collapse. I mean, if you think about oh, it, have how does the economy keep going no with that? That's It's just, you're, it's going to collapse. Volcanic ash would cover the devastated areas to depths ranging from hundreds of feet, which I don't understand that, but to as much as six inches, thousands of miles away. Anything within 500 miles of the eruption would be completely destroyed. We talked about that. Ash would circle the globe on upper level winds, blotting sunlight for months, followed That's by, the a, big problem. by a dim and cold volcanic winter lasting for several years. So this is like the year without a summer, but probably so when you're gonna, celebrating in, in a different country, like, United States is gone. Yeah. It's gonna. It's coming to get you. Screw you over to. Expect earthquakes, flash floods, and even wildfires. Obviously, because it's ash and it's hot, and you know magma and lava. And That's whatnot. tough stuff to yeah. deal with. Global temperature would drop perhaps as much as twenty degrees. Oh my gosh. Fahrenheit. Twenty. That I mean, that's a new ice age. 
basically, right? Mini Ice Age, that's the next thing it says there. 75% of all plant species in the entire world would die. <laughs> the entire world. World agriculture. Corn would be fine. Yeah, corn. We'll keep Make growing. Make it right on through. Got our ethanol still. <laughs> um, world agriculture would be devastated. Farmland would be basically ruined for an entire generation. Satellite and radio communications would be affected as the atmosphere is occluded with fine particulate. Even landlines would degrade or fail above ground or not. Mass starvation, obviously because of all these issues with farmland and crops and plant life dying off. And you can't keep cows alive if you have nothing to feed them, right? Um, human survival and civilization as we know it would be threatened. FEMA estimates the volcano would do $3 trillion worth of damage just in the United States. And I'm guessing it's more than that. Yeah. I mean, $3 trillion's nothing these days. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyways, pretty crazy. Yeah, that's insane. And it's like... Um, it's basically a reset of humanity. It is. If if there's any long-term survival, like yeah. they don't it's, just all die off. It's I think it's similar to the asteroidal impact that took exactly. out the dinosaurs. Yeah. It's kind they of the just same like, thing. Clean everything off and whatever few are left. Yeah. yeah. Those guys can restart. Yeah. It'd be a slow mm -hmm. extinction. Yep. Crazy. Speaking of extinction, <laughs> <laughs> how about your identity? Oh. You want that to be extinct? No, not really. Be out there. For everybody to see. Yeah. It can be. Mm -hmm. So anytime you go on that intranet, you're susceptible to somebody stealing your information. Computers just sitting there idle. You never know who's out there looking to get you into your life. You so really don't. you can protect yourself. You can get a Surfshark VPN and it can protect you and all your devices, not just one or two or three. Any of them that go on internet mm -hmm. can typically uh, be protected by using a Surfshark VPN. I use one, um, I use mine on my browser. So mm -hmm. there's an app specifically on PC, Mac, or your uh, uh, Apple phone or Android phone mm -hmm. that you just click and connect, but you can even just have it in your browser. And so mm, that's cool. it's really nice. You just click it, or it'll even tell you a banner shows up that this site's susceptible to security risks oh, and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. it's super nice to have, even if you don't even have it activated, you can see, oh, this is a riskier site. I thought it was because I'm buying stuff I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, they got to um, get a meteorite on the black web. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dark web. But it's it's super nice to um, have that protection for uh, all of your online information. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, the nice thing about Surfshark is one subscription will cover all your devices that go that you use to go online. You can even use it for your entertainment. Mm -hmm. I used it to watch the World Cup. Um because for what some a reason you know, it was. Yeah, it was a very good ending. Yeah. But it's nice because I wanted the British announcers. I had Peacock, mm -hmm. Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Nah. So I wanted the British announcers. I connected to London and um then I just got on BBC and I could watch their on their programming, yeah. which is super freaking it's awesome. cool. It's awesome. If you want to try it out, you can do so for 30 days, money back if you don't like it. Uh you go to surfshark.deal slash casual preppers. You can get 83% off from 24 months, plus you get an additional three months. Yeah. 27 months for less than 60 bucks, you will not beat it. I can make the numbers work there. I'm telling you, this mm -hmm. is an amazing thing to give yourself and your families. Yeah. It keeps you safe. I like it. And especially right now when you're traveling and you're going on to public Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. you got to have this. Somebody's going to take stuff and you're going to hate it. You're going to say, I wish I'd listened to the casual preppers. <sighs> So anyways, surfshark.deal slash casual preppers. Try it out. 30 days, $60. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. The end. The end. Um, okay. So you've had this massive, what, okay, you've been scared about yeah, the volcano. You have. 
We're all scared now. We're all kind of creeped out. We're like, man, if this blows, what can I do? How can Mm -hmm. I protect myself beforehand, before this thing erupts? And so, yeah, obviously, this is going to be sort of universal for all volcanic eruptions as well. And we've gone over this. It was episode 55, is that what I said? I have no idea. We talked about volcanoes in general. It's a pretty good ep- um it's pretty good details from that. I mm-hmm. mean, you're probably going to get mo- most of them here, but yeah. Um let's talk about some preparations that you can do beforehand for mm-hmm. these volcanic eruptions. So if you live in if you're really close, like you got to have this amazing you're gonna have to exit move. plan. You're going to have like a crazy you're just not going to get out of there. Yeah. But if you're in these like further away, you're in Canada, Mexico or zone 4 and mm-hmm. and beyond. Yeah. Maybe you're in zone 13 in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but there's going to be some effect. So yeah. what ways, these are some ways that you can prepare. Um, number one, as always, you got to have an evacuation plan. Mm-hmm. Get as far away from it, you know, instead of dealing with 10 feet of ash, maybe you can get somewhere that you only have to deal with two centimeters. Exactly. And that's going to be a big deal because um, uh, that ash is like, for example, if you took glass and ground it up into powder and just spread it everywhere Mm -hmm. like that's how that's how like dangerous that stuff is just shreds your insides yeah and so you want to get away enough of it in it basically turns like cement in yeah it's freaking nasty it's crazy you wouldn't think like because we're we're always we're familiar with like smoke and ash and wood ash like Mm -hmm. that stuff's nothing compared to this volcanic ash Mm -hmm. um and it's super heavy so um you're planning on staying put You've got to have supplies in yeah. place to like clean off um, your roofs. You got to be able to um, prepare your vehicles to not be able to breathe to get you out of the area. And so there's a little more preparation with this. Um, it also goes along really well with uh, nuclear fallout. Yeah, yeah. Because you're you're trying to stay away from all of that crap yeah. and all the fallout. And this is really not much different. Like you want to keep the ash as far away from you out of your vehicles, out of your home. So your planning's got to involve a lot of like plastic protection. And basically, um, if you're going to stay put in an area that is going to get a lot of ash, you want to be able to isolate those rooms and keep the ash out of your house. Mm -hmm. You need a really good filtration system in place. You also need to have plenty of masks. Not for COVID. We know no one needs to wear those. Nope. But for... um, if you're going to go out, uh, travel somewhere, you're going to be wearing masks forever after, yeah, you, yeah. after this. Probably for like a year. Yeah. Depending it, on where you're it at. It takes so long. Um, so uh, things to kind of isolate and keep uh, ash from seeping into your um, your shelter. And then also you need to have extensive ways to get on the roof and clear it off to avoid collapse and things like that. Um there's like it's pretty interesting if you go and look up like Mount St. Helens and the things that people experienced. That's where I saw, you know, like the vehicles all shut down, they mm-hmm. couldn't breathe and like these different um filtration devices that they were putting on their cars to actually be able to travel. Yeah. Like those ones they that had too. like the snorkels mm-hmm. and they would put a filter like on the snorkel. Yeah, they had to keep yeah. cleaning it off, but um <clears throat> yep. Your car's got to breathe. It does. So you like if you have an escape plan, you've got to have a plan to like be able to keep that vehicle running and breathing and, and changing out the filters and stuff like that. And that applies to your, uh, your shelter as well. Mm-hmm. Other items that you really need to consider, um, what's Kobe was talking about, like long-term, you're going to have mass extinction of animals. You're going to have yep. crop failure. You're going to have um, problems with supply and delivery. So just like we've always talked about, you got to have a really good food supply 
water supply. And the other thing is like, yeah, maybe you live next to a lake. That's all going to be contaminated now. Yep. So yep. you've got to have, you know, specific filtration systems. And probably the most important thing is having f- readily available water. Water That's on not going to be contaminated. Yep. Um, plastic bags and tape, tape galore. You're going to mm-hmm. be taping off a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, other unique items like I was talking about is like simple masks. Even N95s can block out a lot of the yep. volcanic ash, but an N95 or better. Goggles, gloves, clothing, a radio. <clears throat> Getting all choked How about a radio. <laughs> oh, ham radio. Um, the radio to keep posted on situation. If there's mm-hmm. um, probably still some, uh, there's probably still uh, available radio stations going. I mean, not everybody's going to be killed off immediately. Flashlights. You're going to be in the dark for a mm-hmm. long time. It's going to be way dark. Yeah, that's what's creepy is like, mm-hmm. um, if you read like historical events, it's like they couldn't even see like their hand in front of their face. Oh it's gosh. so blacked out and dusty. That to me is terrifying. Yeah. I don't want to live in that. No, thank you. I'm ready to die. Um, power is going to be interrupted. You're not going to have power. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing is like, okay, well, I'll just start my generator. Generator's going to get plugged up. Unless you want to put it inside and die. Yep. And get carbon monoxide poisoning. So it's just a very complicated situation. So you got to have a lot of specific things. And like I was saying, this applies a lot to um, a nuclear fallout too. So Mm -hmm. if you're kind of getting those supplies ready for a volcanic eruption and nuclear, like you're going to be pretty set to live for a little while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know how long. Um but like I was saying, like the volcanic ash is super toxic to you. It contaminates things. You've got high sulfur, like sulfur content that's going to turn things to acid. Then not to mention the rain. Mm-hmm. It's just going to kill more things. And so it's like basically if you can have a bunker that keeps you away from the ash, it's not going to collapse is the best way. But that's we pretty unrealistic for insane most. Insane water systems and insane air filter yeah, systems. and that's the thing. You still got to bring yeah. air down in and mm-hmm. that filter is going to plug up. And so... Super complicated situation, but just like all the other planning that we've had, most of the things that we do for all these other scenarios are going to, yeah. are going to help crossover, but you're just going to, you're going to want to, um, develop that plan to kind of mm-hmm. protect yourself from the ash with like sheeting and visqueen and bags and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, the other thing is you really got to have a good setup communication, uh, mm-hmm. system because you're not going to be going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of times you're just going to be communicating and staying out of that crap um, and coordinating uh, plans with family and, and groups and stuff like that. So very good, very detailed communication plan. And then, um, yeah. So it sounds like a horrible, horrible thing to live through. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, yeah. I don't plan on – I mean, it's not one I worry about because if it no. erupts, like, we're toast. There's not much. Like, there's not. There's there's a few things. This. And I don't mean this just for like the super volcanoes. Yeah. This is applies to any like if you live in one of those areas, if you live in Hawaii, um, next to a lot of volcanic activity, like yeah. having these things in place. Are They're big. actually erupting. There's one erupting. CDC right now. and um, Red or Red Cross and all those they have mm-hmm. plans for um, and FEMA. You know they have specific plans for volcanic eruptions. So yeah, check absolutely. them out. They're worthwhile. And so what if you do live through this, and then after this eruption you survive? What are the you know the procedures that you should be um, working on, like as it's erupting, as well as like afterwards, right? So um, listen to the alert status update. I'm gonna start a ash clearing out business. You should. I have right it there. all ready to go yeah. when it happens. Business cars. call me. Yeah, <laughs> I get you ash moving. <laughs> right, Cam Hardy, PhD in volcanology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
They have alert status from the VNS, which is the Volcanic Notification System. Oh. So you can go to USGS.gov, and it's going to provide you up-to-the-minute info across multiple channels. You should be listening at all times for important updates so you can plan or act accordingly. That was an empty shoe touching. Was that what it was? Okay. <laughs> Playing footsies with me under there. <laughs> Keep talking about volcanoes. Oh, magma. I'm going to erupt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll show you super volcano. <laughs> um, Follow evacuation orders. The, the, you know what I mean? If they tell you to evacuate, don't be like, oh, I'm going to stick it out right here. Yeah. No, just go. Mount St. Helens, there were several. That yeah. Like, I'm holding out. They're buried now under like 600 feet of earth. Yeah. They are now part of the mountain. <laughs> Right. Okay. Don't take a lot. If a volcano goes big, it's far too late to react. Your only hope is to be far enough away that you can survive. So, um, watch. I think there's going to be these. quite a bit of warning. Yeah, I would think. there should be. I would think, but we don't know. Yeah. Be sure that you don't travel downwind or downstream of the volcano. The ash and other debris will be guided by the wind. Waterways may be converted by the eruption into a lahar. We talked about that earlier with one of the other volcanoes. Basically, it's a nightmare mixture of lava, mud, and rock that acts like a boiling mudslide. Boiling Dante's mudslide. Pink. Pink. Dante's pink. <laughs> I love Dante's pink. <laughs> it's my favorite movie about the volcanoes. Dante's pink. Or is it red? What is it? I don't know. Uh, Dante's gray pink. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Dante's Peak had a really yeah. that that's like one of the cool scenes, I think. Yeah. When they're trying to cross that bridge and all mm-hmm. of it's like it's pushing like, it all down. Yeah, yeah. That's scary. It's bad. So um you, those are really, really dangerous. So don't be like, I'm gonna go downwind, down river. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the wrong you wanna go I up wanna stay closer to the river. <laughs> yeah. Go the other way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if your primary threat is ash, shelter in place. Shut down and close ventilation openings, seal windows, doors, cracks, and crevices, just like Cam said. Um, it's not like that smoke that you can just like no. I know put a, put mm-hmm. your shirt over your mouth. A and bandana is going to do it. Exactly, it's not going to do it's it. It's nasty. Replace disposable furnace filters or clean permanent furnace filters frequently. You're like you're going to have to do it like all the time. So it's probably good to have additional ones on hand because you can't be blowing that stuff through your house. Yeah, it's not going to be great. You're going to be covered in ash. You want to hire a handyman? Yeah, handyman. <laughs> you want him on. <laughs> You want him on call. A volcanic. A volcanicist. <laughs> Here's my card. Here's my card. If you get a lot of ash, you give yeah. me a call. I got a Call plan. my ash. I'll come over there. <laughs> come on. What, what would the name of your business be? I don't know. There'd have to be something like something that. Something with ash, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big ash movers or something. <laughs> yeah, that... It'd have to be something cool like yeah. that. I can't think right now. <laughs> yeah, this is one disaster where, like, a gas mask actually makes really good sense. You know, get a modern quality model with supplemental filters. Know how to use it and keep your facial hair very short. You don't want to have to shave in the middle of a volcano just to put on your gas mask. <laughs> Hold on, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it. Shut <laughs> it's electrical. It doesn't need it. <laughs> it just starts. Yeah. Not good. Um, that is very important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. First things first. First things first. Volcano just erupts and shave. Start shaving. Once that first uh, emergency alert comes on, start shaving. Your whole body. You want to be hairless like a seal. Yeah. Okay. Not like seal, like a seal. <laughs> Seal probably has some He's hair. He's probably got a little He's pretty hair. hairless, though. He does seem pretty hairless, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> he does seem pretty hairless. 
You never thought we'd talk about Seal and his hair <laughs> in this episode, did you? Yep. Never thought. Never thought. We take all the angles. Yeah. Um, do not drive or operate motors when ash is following. Okay? Heavy I think ash. that's on four-wheelers. <laughs> no. no more than one rider. Don't operate during a volcanic, volcanic eruption. Yeah. Heavy ash fall will choke, stall, and seriously damage an engine when it's drawn in through the intakes. Yeah. Keeping Try bugging out with that. Good luck, bruh. Um, <laughs> so aftermath procedures. Reach out to family and friends using text messaging phone systems. You got ash over there? <laughs> What's your ash look like? Send me a picture of your ash, girl. How much ash you guys get? I, we got about two feet. Here's a picture of my ash. <laughs> <laughs> Sending over a few pictures of my ass right now. Yeah, baby. Mm. <laughs> That's some hot ash right there. Got some weird pictures of ash. <laughs> my wife's name's Ash. <laughs> I know. That's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. So is my sister. Um, so phone systems will be degraded or down in the aftermath of the eruption. Save phone calls for emergencies only. Yeah, so if you're just like... Talking about Don't be whatever. tempted <laughs> Don't to be send t- that extra text. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the phone. But I'm just saying open. text messaging is a much higher chance oh, of yeah. transmitting successfully. You know. Doing so, okay, six feet ash today. <laughs> I'm what do you rhyme. say? <laughs> it's time to rhyme. <laughs> Anytime I get scared, I just start rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> you it know? keeps the mood yeah. like really. That's a great tip, I think. That is a good tip. Anytime an emergency happens, just rhyme everything you can. <laughs> Hurry, honey, leave the house, or else you'll die out in the. I don't know with don't the know. grouse. Yeah, with the grouse. <laughs> I ruined that one. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Just get out of there. Yeah, just get out of there. Um, take care to remove ash buildup from roofs. It's obviously super heavy, and it it's heavier than it looks, and it's like. It's like having snow. When you get 10 that feet blows of snow. my mind that it yeah. can be that heavy. You'd think it'd be super light. Try and sweep or push it off the roof if you can. Take extra care when walking over it. Is it makes things like super slick. It's just like snow, pretty much. Muddy, gooey. Muddy, gooey snow. If your drinking water has ash in it, use another source of drinking water. Yeah. Such as purchase bottled water <laughs> until your water can be tested. Uh, volcanic eruptions may result in floods, landslides, mudslides, power outages, and wildfires. So... Good luck. You got to get ready for all those. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because it's like, stay away from that ash. Mm-hmm. But then down the road, it's really good for your skin. Yeah. And it'll help cure different ailments. Yeah. It's like, mix it with lye. Too much soap. Bad. I think. Little great. Yeah. You can grow all kinds of stuff in that volcanic soil. Mm. Anyway. Um, so. Hot uh, peppers. Yeah. yeah. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> um, other super volcanoes. And which are the most risky? Okay. So we talked about Yellowstone, which mm-hmm. would—it's um, not the only one in the U.S. Mm-hmm. There's actually two others that are classified as super volcanoes. Really? Why did we pick this country? <laughs> living know. on an explosive Land. bunch of magma, bunch of soda pop underneath Liquid that crust. Hot magma. So, um, Long Valley, California, mm. May of 1980, a strong earthquake swarm that included. Four Richter magnitude six earthquakes struck the southern margin of the Long Valley Caldera. Wow. It was associated with a 10-inch dome-shaped uplift of the Caldera floor. We got a 10-inch dome-shaped uplift. <laughs> <laughs> the declining volcanic activity and increasingly crystalline lava extruded over the last 650,000 years, wow. as well as other trends, suggest that the magma reservoir under this one, under this caldera, 
has now largely crystallized and is, is unlikely to produce a large-scale eruption. So mm. that it's one, done. check it off. It's fine. Now, don't. Long Valley, not a worry. Long Valley's fine. Let's move on to Valles Caldera mm. in New Mexico. The volcanic activity here is related to the tectonic movements of uh, the intersection, the plates. Oh, okay. Is it active? Not really. Okay. So check that one off. Valley so Yellowstone's Grande. the only one on your list. That one's fine. Lake Taupo. Okay. Taupo erupted 22,600 years ago. That's not very long ago. No. And is the most recent super eruption on Earth with a volume of about 1,130 cubic kilometers. Is that like Mordor? That is. That's how they put yeah, the ring, yeah. the four so, ring. That one's most recent. And since we've been talking about it, you know, they erupt every so often. Mm. Since it was so recent, don't worry about it because it's, you know. Check it off your list. <laughs> it's uh, It's got a lot longer until it's predicted okay. eruption. Not necessarily, but it, it hasn't seemed to have as much uh, activity. Now, this one, this mm-hmm. is probably the most risky one. Okay. Aida, Japan. Aida. Aida. They discovered the, that magma is filling the magma chamber at a faster rate than the Saku, Sakurajima volcano erupts. Okay. So it's not letting it off. Oh. The reservoir is expanding each year as a vol, uh, at a volume of 14 million meters cubed and is supplied to the system. Mm. Uh, Dr. Harushia Hauru, Harushia Hauru, oh my gosh, Haru, Harusa uh, Nakamichi, Associate Professor at Disaster Prevention Research Institute, uh, Kyoto University and co-author, oh, it's like all these credentials, <laughs> yeah. born, have 16 kids. <laughs> yeah. It's already passed by 100 years since the 1914 eruption. Less than 30 years is left until a next expected big eruption. Oh, gosh. Uh, Kagoshima City Office has prepared new evacuation plans from the Sakurajima and after experiences of evacuation of the crisis in August 2015. So this is probably one of the more active calderas, mm. and it is um, it is a super volcano classified um, volcano, which is scary. Oh, my God. A group of scientists led by Dr. Remy used synthetic uh, Synthetic, it looked weird. Yeah. Aperture radar, SAR, to detect levels of inflation of the uh, Ida Caldera over the Kokuba urban district. They observed a change in the pattern of Kokuba's surface through a model of the deformation of field of caldera. It is predicted there's a maximum volume increase of 203 by 106 meters cubed between 95 and 98. Sounds like something. They deduced an inflation of about 70 millimeters at the center of the caldera and 40 millimeters in the south urban area of Kokuba. So So this seems like it's just growing, you know, and like I said, uh, the Yellowstone one kind of rises and falls. This one just kind of continues to rise up. So probably the biggest risk is that one. But it's way over there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. I don't think we have anybody from Japan listening anyway. Doubt it. Lake Toba, Sumatra. Sumatra. Uh, uh, Yeah. Karma Sumatra. It was a scary one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2016, a study revealed that the Toba supervolcano has a magma chamber containing 50,000 cubic kilometers, 12,000 cubic miles oh my of eruptible magma. This is a massive sucker. And about 30 to 50 kilometers, that's 19 to 31 miles underground. That's so a long way. It's a long way down. So if it ever blew up, it would blow all that off. And that is a massive amount. 
This makes the supervolcano's magma chamber more than four times larger than the volume of Lake Superior in North America and also larger than the magma chamber underneath Yellowstone. This is a big sucker. That's crazy. But it didn't really say much about its like activity level and all that stuff. But this is a huge like... Wow. That one would be the end of the earth. Yeah, that's that's a biggie. Siberian traps, and I don't mean the ones to catch polar bears. Ha, or Ukrainians. Or the muscles. Um, they didn't say much about this one. Didn't it's they? almost like a really, it's a prehistoric caldera. It hasn't really done much, uh-huh. but um, they know that there was a massive one in Russia. Right. And um, those are glory. your other risks to watch out for, but probably Lake Toba and, um, and the Ida in Japan are the two other semi-active ones kind of like Yellowstone. Well, I'm glad they're way over there. <laughs> Me too. I can't believe how much there is underneath that Sumatra one. That's insane. It's like the whole friggin' I think the core of the earth is just blow out on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the whole thing. It's well, come, we're done. <laughs> we used to be a planet. <laughs> yeah. The magma core just got sucked out, so <laughs> yeah, we're done now. Yep. It's like the yolk. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's when you break the yolk. We're kinda. done now. That's it, guys. That is the Yellowstone Super Volcano Caldera Magma Chamber. Big boy. Don't be scared of it. Don't be scared. Because it would be pretty much the end of the... You don't really want to live through that one. Probably not. I mean, you could, depending on where you're at on the Earth, but if you're anywhere in the western United States, just take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> take a nap and don't wake up. You know what I mean? Right. It's not going to be fun. Yeah, don't worry about that. But guys, today's podcast is brought to you by Pack, the only monthly tactical subscription box with useful, professional-grade stuff inside. Use our code CASUALPREPPERS, and you're, you're going to get a free $70 machine-made part by Next Level armament uh maybe you even get some like volcano gear we don't know <laughs> I hope so. we haven't looked into it uh, yeah could be coming um so anyways yeah go check out tack pack guys they are the bomb it's time for the quick and dirty medical tip uh so real quick i just wanted to talk about like pulmonary action plan like an asthma plan um mm. a lot of people have it or have had it in their past um history as a kid and maybe they don't have any asthma now but you still got to kind of worry about possible yeah. attacks and i think it's still a really good idea to have uh, medications and things that can kind of help with asthma and reactive airways you see I have, I have a daughter who had it pretty bad when she That's was right, young huh? and she's kind of grown out yeah. of it but most I, do but and i so, still keep some like albuterol and stuff exactly on hand just in case because you just don't know you don't you and know it, like if you're breathing in volcanic ash here and there boy boy it's gonna be tough it's gonna trigger all kinds of stuff yeah and and if you have asthma or if you've dealt with it, there's usually those triggers. There's like viral triggers, like a cold and stuff like mm-hmm. that's going to tighten you up. And then there's allergies. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, environmental, which is why I brought it up today, is like volcanic ash and mm-hmm. dust and things like that. Um, very common cause of, like very common reason for ER visits or uh, asthma attacks. That I mean yeah. thousands a year. Um, but there's kind of a, like, a plan in place, and the reason I wanted to just bring this up is you can print out a plan of action. And most of the time, schools have like an action plan, or you have to sign one so that your kid can have medication. Mm-hmm. But it's good to have because if you are unable to continue care for that child, or if some, you know, mm-hmm. if they get separated and they, and they are having an asthma attack, have a paper with them or something that shows like somebody their medication it. yeah mm-hmm. it's easy if my kid had really bad asthma i would have a paper with them in yeah, their backpack the of an action plan with their medicine right? with their medicine that's the other thing is like you can get more than one inhaler a month like and you should have multiple one in a vehicle one at home because that's 
Mm-hmm. We've seen all those disaster movies. Like, where's his asthma inhaler? Every time it seems like and it's like yeah. it's like one of the worst things to 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 not have. So having a, like stocked up on those medications, albuterol uh, nebulized is short right now. Like it's is hard it? to get. So mm-hmm. another thing, of course, ahead of time, like you want to think ahead because these common medications that are usually abundant, we're running out of them, and I'm hoping it'll correct, and it probably will, but you just never know, and so. Having an albuterol, having, well, one, it's having the asthma or pulmonary action plan. And then having albuterol. Inhaled steroids are usually when it becomes a little more complicated um, in, their, in longer-term prevention. And you, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details of asthma. Yeah. Oral steroids, you probably should have some on hand in case you can't get to the ER to treat. Mm-hmm. And then an EpiPen is also recommended for anybody that has asthma. That they're more likely to have an allergic reaction and complicate the asthma. And that's something that you would give in a severe asthma attack. And we heard about an EpiPen earlier today. Exactly. That's why I was like, this worked out yeah. real. Um, nebulizers used to be really hard to get. And you'd mm-hmm. have to get like a, a prescription and go to a medical supply. You can get them on Amazon. And they have handheld ones. Like yeah. they have some really nice um, supplies. So if there's any pulmonary issue in your family, have a plan, have the medications, and you can have a nebulizer device mm-hmm. uh, at home. There's no reason why you shouldn't. The other thing is like people with COPD um, usually want to have some antibiotics on hand. And we talked about that as preppers having antibiotics in general, but COPD tends to have more chronic bronchitis and, and symptoms of infection. And so you want to have... That's like that contingency med would be good to get some of that great. stuff, right? Especially yeah. if you have COPD, that contingency mm-hmm. med would be awesome. And then again, multiple inhalers. There's a lot of different types. Um, provider offices, like when I was in family medicine, we got a ton of different inhalers. So mm. your, your appointment, maybe hit them up and then yeah. you at least can have them in a box stored away for, for emergency use. Um Oxygen's hard to get, and it's hard to store to to get a tank and all that. It's complicated, but if you already have like an uh, a device that's like an oxygen concentrator or something like that, just make sure you have a backup power supply and things like that. So, nice. anyways, that's just some basic stuff on pulmonary uh, protection and pulmonary care plan. Because in an event like this or <laughs> asteroid, or where it's just going to kick up a bunch of crap or have a bunch of volcanic ash. Uh, those with pulmonary issues are mm-hmm. going to really be at high risk. So, nice. There you go. <laughs> That's it, guys. Uh, that is uh, your episode for today. Yellowstone Super Volcano. Watch out for those volcanoes. Yep. Thanks for listening. Um, Merry Christmas and all. Appreciate you guys. And that's it. Stay survived. <laughs>